Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. Um, I just spent, I don't know, 20 minutes crying because my back really hurts. Um, as I talked about on the podcast, I fucked up my back like two months ago. It's been getting a lot better, but I didn't walk. I haven't walked since like Tuesday. One thing that's been really helping it is walking a lot. But on Wednesday, I had to get the second part of my extensive dental work done, so I didn't walk on that day. It poured rain on Thursday, so I didn't walk on Thursday. And then I didn't walk yesterday because, I don't know, I was like feeling lazy and wasn't thinking about it and didn't realize like how bad my back was going to hurt. And now it's Saturday and I basically want to die. I need to take a long walk. But I couldn't this morning because I had to spend all morning taking notes for the podcast and I'm just a mess. So I don't know. I thought about just not recording an episode because it's really bad, but obviously it's like a crazy week and I can't just not record an episode this week. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the reunion, talk about the Janelle stuff talk briefly about Teen Mom 2 and Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. So this is going to be a short episode. Sorry, it just is. I'm just in a lot of pain. I don't really know what to do. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I just have a fucked up uh, disc issue in my... Basically, I have... um, There's like a disc issue in my lower back, which sucks and is also really scary because I'm like really scared of chronic back pain. I had to stop doing yoga because I can't really bend forward. (laughs) I've just been walking a lot and it's like been mostly okay, but today is just like probably the worst pain I've been in in two months, maybe. And I like there's no way to sit. It's just really bad, guys. So, you know, I did a (laughs) over three hour podcast last week. (laughs) So just a heads up, this is a short podcast. I'm sorry. I know a short podcast sucks. Cousin Julie and I were just texting this week that like we were, we would prefer that all podcasts be a full five hours long. <laughs> and we hate anything that's not extensively in depth. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you, It is Sunday if you're listening to this, which means there'll be a new episode of Princess's new podcast, which is by Pumpkin, which is P-U-M- K-I-N. I posted about it on my Instagram, feathers underscore pod. So if you're having trouble finding it, you can go find it there. But you can go listen to Princess's new episode because this one isn't going to get you through your entire day. But thank you all for understanding. I right now like could do a full cry session because anytime I think too much. Here's the thing. I've always had this issue whenever I am sick or there's an issue is when my anxiety like really ramps up. Um, And anytime I think too much about my back hurting, I start to panic that I'm going to have long-term chronic back pain. And that isn't helpful to me or anybody. 
and the anxiety just makes everything hurt worse. <laughs> this has always happened like when I have asthma attacks. They're always like 10 times worse because I start to have really bad anxiety about the fact that I'm having an asthma attack and that I can't breathe. And then the anxiety makes the asthma worse and the asthma makes the anxiety worse. It's really bad. It's not great. My anxiety is like mostly under control, but certain things really spin it out. And I will say my back being fucked up has spun the anxiety. Anyway, hi, how is everyone? Um, Obviously, the big story of the week is that David has left Janelle. But first, I want to back up. Let's er, rewind and discuss that the Team Mom 2 and Team Mom Young and Pregnant was reunion was in New York City last weekend. Now, going into the reunion, there was some talk of Jade refusing to be on stage with Ashley. Um, when Jade got put on Team Mom 2, Ashley had been tweeting that, by the way, Ashley's last name is not Siren, even though her Instagram handle is Ashley Siren. And I always want to call her Ashley Siren. And I'm not, I think her last name is Williams. I can't remember what her last name is, but it's not Ashley Siren. <laughs> and I wish. Oh my gosh, I have the hiccups now. Guys, I'm falling apart. I wish her last name was Siren because that would be a kind of cool name, Ashley Siren. And I want to call her Ashley Siren, but that's not her name. But Ashley, when Jade got put on Team Mom 2, Ashley was tweeting like, they asked me, but I said no because I wanted to stay on my show, which is just complete bullshit because it would be like a minor league baseball team player being like, no MLB. I don't really want to go to the MLB. I just want to stay here with my guys because I love this team. Now, Young and Pregnant, although the superior show, is the farm league, right? Like, we all know that. And a chance to get on Team Mom 2 is the big leagues. It's just, even if Team Mom and Young and Pregnant is the better show, Team Mom 2 or Team Mom OG is the brand. And anybody that would turn that, says that they would turn that down is just a big liar. Like, there's just no way. Especially considering, if you guys will notice, it's like deep winter when they filmed this Team Mom Young and Two, or Team Mom Young and Pregnant uh, season. Kayla gave birth, I think, in August, and she's just finding out she's pregnant here. So, like, a long time passed between filming, like, when they started filming. And then when they aired the season, and I was kind of worried Team Mom Young and Pregnant would just never come back and that we would have a full on Team Mom New Jersey RIP. I would pay money to watch that um, Team Mom New Jersey situation where they just filmed a whole season and we never got it. So this idea that Ashley would like choose to stay on a show that's future has always been kind of up in the air is just stupid. Um so I guess there's like always a weird beef between Jade and Ashley. I think I talked about this on, I definitely talked about this. I remember Princess and I talking about this. But so apparently Jade did not want to get on stage with Ashley, but she did. Kale was on stage with them for a reason that I'm a little unsure of. And basically Dr. Drew asked Ashley like how she felt about Jade being on, Team Mom 2, Ashley kind of refused to answer. Then Dr. Drew kept pushing, which, like, I don't know. It's kind of the point if I'm being there, isn't it? But is it a good idea to actually push? Whatever. So Dr. Drew kept on pushing, and basically they started screaming at each other. Kayla got involved because Ashley said something about Kayla's kids, 
Ashley threatened to hit a audience member, apparently. (sighs) And then it was just like continuous fighting throughout the whole weekend on social media with Ashley like acting crazy, Jade acting crazy. Like Jade and Ashley both act, in my opinion, Jade and Ashley are both extremely volatile um, untrustworthy. I wouldn't really want to be around either of them. Apparently, the battle lines are like Ashley, and I guess she is friends with Kaya. I don't know if Kaya is involved with any of this, but uh, Ashley and Kaya spent a lot of time together over the weekend. And then, um, Jade, Ashley, or Jade, Kayla, and Brie on like the other side. I don't know if Rachel plays into this at all, but, um, Jade in my opinion, is, like, a total shit starter. She's, she's just drama. I feel the same way about Ashley, but I don't personally feel that Kayla is, like, a shit starter, um, and, uh, sorry, I'm, like, getting really lost in everybody's names right now. I'm talking about too many people once, but Kayla kind of laid out exactly what she says happened, that, you know, Ashley had been feeling left out, so her and Brie, like, tried to meet up with Ashley to hang out with her, and Ashley kind of refused, and the only reason Kayla got involved is because kids were mentioned, and she really has, like, no problem with anybody, but it just, like, got taken to a next level. Basically, I thought that Kayla laid out the most well, not well-mannered, manner's not the right word, like, the most reasonable explanation for what happened in which she wasn't, like, totally sticking up for herself and being, like, I didn't do anything wrong, but not, but also, like, not making it seem like there was even more drama, like, from her statement, which is kind of what Jade did, in my opinion. So, I will say it's kind of hard, in my opinion, to pick a side because I don't feel like I know the young and pregnant girls that much. Um, They're still very new to us, even though we're technically on the third season of watching them. I don't, like, closely follow all their social medias. I just don't have an intimate relationship with them, let's say. Where, like, if any of the Team Mom 2 or Team Mom OG girls get in a fight, we, like, kind of know. We can kind of guess what happened. But with the young and pregnant girls, I feel a little more like I'm looking in blind. So... Basically, there's this huge fight. Ashley is then going crazy on social media. Jade is going crazy on social media. And it's just a mess. I think Ashley... Ashley is really interesting to me because she is somebody that acts fucking crazy online. Um, I'll never forget those Instagram lives of her and Barr, like, physically fighting. And Ashley just looking, like, really unhinged. But then on the show, she, like, really doesn't come off this way. I personally think that Ashley maybe has some sort of mental health issues. I've thought that since those Instagram lives in which she was, like, hitting herself and screaming. Like, those are seared into my memory for how I think about Ashley. Uh, She comes across as very paranoid, thinking everybody is out to get her. I do think that there is a possible real element in that. I think that Ashley um, gets an unfair... Uh, edit based on her race sometimes. Like, I do think that MTV on purpose wants Ashley and her family to be the trashier uh, segment because they're black. Like, I just think that to be true. And I think that Ashley probably feels that and is aware of that. So I get that. But I think a lot of Ashley's behavior, especially on social media, indicates something else is going on. 
and she's just like constantly looking for a fight, constantly thinking she's being attacked, constantly in drama. And, you know, when I hear Kayla, who from what we've seen, like Kayla doesn't seem to have a lot of drama in her life. Like, yes, Stefan's really bad, um, but she seems pretty calm, pretty mild mannered. It doesn't seem to have a lot of, like, friendship drama. I know that she did have a... Ooh, sorry, just hit the mic. <laughs> I know she did have a falling out with one of her friends, the girl that moved in with her and Luke. But that kind of seems to be normal, like, 19-year-old drama. And I don't know. Her life seems pretty calm. So when Kayla, Lee, like, lays out a, this is what happened. This is what the drama caused. This is how I feel about it. I tend to believe her where we're Ashley or Jade lay it out. I'm like, you both are a fucking volatile mess. Like, we've seen how Jade goes from, like, 0 to 100 like that. We've seen how Ashley goes from 0 to 100 like that. And I would believe that they're basically both at fault. I think it's kind of a shame that Kayla is... Um, attaching herself to Jade. I think Kale and Brie would, would be better off kind of on their own team. <laughs> Does this make sense? I really, honestly, guys, I kind of just blacked in and was like, did I, what the fuck am I talking about? Ooh, it's going to be one of those days. But yeah, so there's this huge drama at the reunion. I personally like drama at the reunion. The only thing I don't like about it is they're going to spread it out over like 18 episodes like they did when there was that, when the Brie and Kale fight happened. That was awful. I also wonder how they're going to present this because Team Mommy Young and Pregnant doesn't have the fourth wall broken. And... I wonder how they will show the reunion behind the scenes stuff because for with Team Mom 2, if you'll remember, they like showed it in a regular episode outside of the reunion. So I'll be interested how they do it on Team Mom Young and Pregnant. Um, I'm I'm kind of, basically my final conclusion on if I'm Team Ashley or Team Kayla, Bree and Jade is that like I'm kind of Team No One. I'm kind of team, I think I believe Kayla, but also, like, we could see something on this episode that totally changes my mind. I think that is something fun and fresh about Team Mom Young and Pregnant is I don't have allegiances. Yeah, I think Ashley is, like, pretty unhinged and has some mental health stuff going on, but I also think Jade is, and I don't, I could fall anywhere. You know what I mean? I really feel like with the Team Mom Young and Pregnant girls, we have a fresh slate, and we can really honestly just look at them and judge them, which is something that I appreciate personally. Okay, so that leads us into all of a sudden um, this weekend, it popped up like it popped up on Twitter. I saw some stuff on Instagram, Reddit, of course, that Janelle was in New York. Now, if you guys will remember from Back when the Nugget stuff happened, I think post-Nugget, when the kids were taken away, uh, a Twitter user popped up. I think her username is USA Cloud. I can't remember. If you go on Reddit, you can probably figure it out. Actually, I've absolutely posted her Twitter name on Feathers underscore pod. Uh, who, she is a longtime hatter. I hate saying the word hatter out loud. Typing it, I'm like, all okay, but I hate saying it out loud. Uh, her username is pretty new, but she used to be around on a former account. Had posted a lot of inside information about Janelle that has mostly totally turned out to be true. I personally choose to believe her. I don't think she's 100% true about everything, but I don't think anybody's 100% true about anything when it comes to Team Mom Gossip. I think that she, oh, fuck, I've, we have to talk about Amber, too. Sorry. <laughs> okay. 
I don't think anything is 100% true when it comes to Team Mom gossip, but I do think that she is a good source. I personally believe that she either at some point got in with one of David's sisters or she talks to, and this is what I think is more likely, she talks to, this is a deep cut, she talks to this woman named Jen who used to go by Jelly on Twitter. I don't remember what her Twitter name was, but we all called her Jelly, and she, for many years handled Janelle's, I don't want to say she handled Janelle's social media because that's like a little too official for what she did, but she helped Janelle with a lot of social media stuff, including like, you know how they do clickbait links now, but they used to do this thing way back in the day called Solia. It was spelled S-U-L-I-A, which was like the original version of clickbait. And it used to be said they got five cents per click, although I don't know, you know, if that was actually true, but it used to be like a nickel for Solia is what we used to talk about it. She, like, did Janelle Solia. She was Janelle's, like, confidant, especially at a time when Janelle really had no friends outside of whoever her boyfriends were. I don't know if they've ever even met in person. Janelle was supposed to take her to a Miley Cyrus concert and then at the last minute brought Nate instead. But Janelle and Jen were good friends, possibly still are, and I, my gut would say that this Twitter user talks to Jelly, but like I said, I'm not sure, but she talks to somebody because she gets accurate information, and she started posting, I just see a really small spider on my wall. Oh, I have to fix that. Okay, spider's killed, but basically she started posting that Janelle, behind David's back, uh, dropped Kaiser off at Barbara's, left Enzalit the land, and went to New York to meet with MTV. Um, Janelle then was obviously in New York via her Instagram. David was posting sad stuff, and the speculation was that she was going to be on the reunion. Now, she didn't show up to the reunion. She wasn't filmed for the reunion, as far as we know. But according to Ashley, she was in talks with MTV. Okay, that happened. Then, on Thursday, Wednesday, Janelle posted that she had left David. Basically said, like, she had taken the first steps for leaving David. It was a very PR statement. I guess I'll just read the statement. Okay, she said, I mostly kept off social media the past few days because I've been focused on making some big life decisions. I've lived my life on camera since I was 17 years old, and a lot of it hasn't been pretty, but it's been my life. Like anyone else... I want what's best for my kids and I want to be happy. With time away from Team Mom, I've started to look at my life differently and I know I need to make changes. I'm starting that now. The kids and I have moved away from David. Nobody gets into a marriage expecting it to end, but I know that's what's best for me and my kids. Today, I filed papers to start that process. I appreciate the support from everybody who has asked how I am. Me and the kids are doing great. We need some time to be together, but you'll hear from us again soon. Janelle. Wowzers. So, as soon as um, Janelle went to New York and David started posting sad shit, the internet went wild that this was all fake, that they were faking it so that she could get back on the show. And a lot, a lot, a lot of people believe that she's faking it. I absolutely do not believe that Janelle is faking it. Part of it is just gut instinct, you know, like my ability to look at what is going on on Janelle or other team mom or even other celebrity social media and what my gut says. But really, like, I've been following Janelle guys for so long, and Janelle is a liar. Yes, but Janelle is the world's worst liar. (laughs) 
She cannot keep it up. She cannot keep lies up. I just do not believe that Janelle in any way would be able to like fake a separation from David to get back on the show. I just do not think that's possible. The amount of effort and time that would be required is just, it's just too much. It's too long. She wouldn't be able to do it. It's just not realistic. <laughs> she couldn't do it. Um, I just don't, when would she like be, not when, but how would she be able to like pretend to be apart from him, get MTV back to filming, it just wouldn't work. And then she would hide being together from him from MTV? No. And whenever I said that on Reddit, people would be like, well, MTV doesn't really care if she's with him. It's just about ratings, blah, blah, blah. And I agree, they don't morally care if she's with him, but I do believe they care if she's with him when it comes to filming because the crew won't go near David, guys. And here's my other thing. Janelle is not a person that pretends in a way that will make her look worse and her leaving David in her head makes her look worse. Like Janelle's hard-lined stance this whole time with David is that we are perfect, we are happy, we love each other. And Janelle believes that she is proving to the world that they are wrong about David. Like Janelle never wants to like give in to social media and what social media says about her or her significant others. And pretending to be apart from David would be doing that. Here's what I think happened. I think that Janelle leaves the show. Well, (laughs) Janelle gets kicked off the show. And if you'll remember, MTV did not tweet that they fired her. They said they had no plans to continue filming her at the time. So she wasn't really fired. But I think that Janelle gets told she can't be on the show unless she leaves David. Janelle tells MTV, I'm not leaving David. Okay, so we're not continuing with you on the show. Things are fine, things are fine, things are fine. The kids get taken away. I think that that forced Janelle into an us-or-them mentality, which Janelle really goes deep into. And so that wasn't like a, oops, wake-up call, let me leave David. That was like a bonding her closer to David situation. I think they had to spend a lot of fucking money on lawyers. Do you remember how often they were in court? They went to court like eight times over like three weeks. That was, I mean, she could have easily spent $20,000 on lawyers. Um, I think that that though, like wasn't, wasn't enough because she still had some money left. She still kind of thought things would turn around. She still thought there would be deals. She was still making social media money with clipbait, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that now is the first time it's been about six months. So this should be a time that she's like getting, you know, a new season paycheck. And obviously the show is back on the air. And I think that this is the first time that it's really sinking in that the money is not coming. I think that that is probably extremely difficult for Janelle. Like never has she had a time where the money just stopped coming and there was no prospect of it coming back. So I think, first of all, the money is like the huge motivating factor. I think that the makeup kit was probably a big wake-up call for her. We didn't, I don't know if I talked about this really on the podcast, but her brow kit, like, obviously totally tanked. Um, I think that she was kind of always able to deal with her stuff tanking in the past because she was still making money from Teen Mom, and I think that she really had no concept of how bad her stuff was tanking when she 
didn't necessarily have to rely on any of that for income. And that became her, like, thing that she had to rely on for income. And then it went away. (laughs) So I just think, like, the cold, hard truth of Janelle being broke, like, really woke her up. I think that she got very annoyed with David not having a job and not bringing them any money. And I think she's bored as fuck living out on that land, being a homesteader. Homesteader. That's not how you say it. I am adding a weird emphasis somewhere, but I can't. I don't know. But I think that she is just having a realization that, like, this is not a life that she wants to live at all. And David is not the person that she wants to live the life with. And I'm sure it was fine and fun and fresh and cool when they could do whatever they fucking wanted because she was getting basically, like, an unlimited amount of cash, you know, making $400,000 a year. And then all of a sudden they can't spend money anymore and they're just kind of stuck at the land and there's no prospect of money coming in. And I think that that was a real wake-up call. And when MTV called and said, hey, girl, come talk to us, she said, fuck yeah, I will. Okay, I'm going to talk about the rest of this right after a quick break. I basically think that for Janelle, being with David is no longer fun or enjoyable. And she doesn't have any money and all of those things just aren't worth it to her. I think that MTV brought her up and said that we will either bring you back on the show. Someone suggested maybe she would get a Bean Janelle special, which I was like, yes, that's absolutely what's going to happen. Shout out to whoever said that on my Instagram. I can't remember, but they're like, oh, I bet it's going to be Bean Janelle, which, yeah, uh, I think MTV was like, we will help you get a lawyer. We'll help you get a new place to live. We will help you leave. We will write a statement. We will give you our PR. Basically, like, had an entire intervention and gave her an out. (laughs) And she took it. Uh, The thing that really sucks for her and I have a big issue with is that in the state of North Carolina, you have to be legally, well, not legally, but you have to be physically separated for an entire year before you can file for divorce, which is such an archaic rule. It's crazy. It's terrible for victims of domestic violence. I do believe that there is a way to get around it if you can prove you're a victim of domestic violence. But as everybody knows, it's like extremely hard to prove in court if you're a victim of domestic violence and it's a nightmare. And if Janelle and David spend any time together, like he, she sleeps over for a night. They have sex. Like, it starts the clock over on the year-long separation. It's such a terrible fucking law. I cannot believe North Carolina still has this law. I can't believe any state still has this law. It's just, it's so dated and it's so dangerous for people that want to leave their abusers. But she says she filed something, so I'm guessing she actually filed a legal separation, even though in the state of North Carolina it's not necessary But because we know how David is, she probably wanted to file it so that it's on record the date that they started. Um, Do I think that Janelle will actually stay away from him? That I do not know. I want to clarify that just even if Janelle gets back with him, I don't think that means this is fake. I just don't think Janelle has it in her to fake this. I really don't. I don't think that Janelle would want to fake it. First of all, I don't think Janelle would ever want to admit that her marriage wasn't good. I mean, we literally heard 911 calls of her saying that David beat the shit out of her. And then the next day she's on camera saying how great he is. And I don't think that's because, like, necessarily because she's a victim of abuse. I think it's because that's, like, how her mind works and how she's determined to prove everybody wrong. I also don't think David would allow her to do that. 
I don't think that David would have any part in faking a separation so MTV, so she could get back on MTV. David has always hated her being on Teen Mom, clearly. He has always had no interest in her being on Teen Mom. There's no way that he would allow, like, a fake separation and then he would just let MTV come and film and she would be pretending to be single and pretending like she's a single mom. Like, no, David would never go along with that. Um, I know a lot of people are speculating that this is fake because they're not fighting on social media. And, okay, like, I can see what you mean, but I personally believe that David is in what is, like, the flowers state of domestic violence. I think that he is desperate to get Janelle back, probably, and isn't wilding out on social media yet because he's hoping that he's going to be able to win Janelle and get her to come back home. Uh, I think Janelle has actually been uncharacteristically silent on social media for a while, If you guys will notice, Chanel hasn't said shit about Nate's DUI. All she said was, I'm a different person. I've changed. I'm not commenting on that, which is crazy. Like, that is so out of character for Janelle to not, like, rub in uh, Nate's face that he got a DUI and brag about it on social media and how much better she is. So she's been kind of quiet on social media for the last, like, month or two, just in general. She hasn't been fighting on social media And I wonder if maybe she's just in a place where she's, like, not in the mood to fight. I also think that this is probably part of MTV's plan, is that they don't want her fighting on social media. They don't want this to be a whole social media blow up, because I think that their ideal way that this would work would be that Janelle will leave David, it stays kind of quiet, Um, It's kind of drama free and then Janelle can just pop up for being Janelle special or having her back on the show and they don't even have to like deal with the whole messy breakup. I think they probably advised her to stay quiet. I also think that there's another, I also have another theory that David is fine with this breakup. Um, As we know, Janelle has left the land. Radar is reporting that she's in Tennessee. However, The Twitter account that I mentioned earlier said she's in North Carolina. I would bet she's at Barbara's house or MTV just set her up with a new place somewhere in the Wilmington area. I don't believe that she's fled the state. Like I said, I am believing this Twitter account because she has been right basically every every step of the way. Um, I think that she is still in North Carolina. I don't think she's fled. But I think that David wants the land. And he wants Janelle to pay for it. And if Janelle gives him the land and will pay for it, like, maybe David doesn't want to be with Janelle either. Like, I think that we focus so much on how awful it must be for Janelle to be with David because we know he's abusive. And we've kind of forgotten how awful it is for anybody to be with Janelle. (laughs) I remind you guys of the wedding fight, uh, the I'm fucking raking fight, where David is, like, tirelessly working to get their property ready for this wedding the next day and Janelle's like you're not paying attention to me and he's like I'm literally trying to set up like our whole property right now or the night where they were moving and he was moving all of their furniture and she wasn't helping at all because she was pregnant and she had a total fucking breakdown because he told her to take Kaiser to a hotel just to get him out of the way so they could move all the furniture in and she like lost her fucking mind and was bawling her eyes out because her fiance didn't care about her Or I guess who's her boyfriend at that time. Um, Janelle's boyfriends need to pay her 24-7 attention no matter what. And I think it's possible that David doesn't want to do that anymore. And David's done with her and with the relationship. And maybe that's why they're not fighting online. Because David said, okay, bye. 
Like, David and Janelle break up all the time. And maybe this really is the final one, and both of them are just fucking done. Do I believe that there will be drama soon? Like, yeah, probably. But I personally don't think that them not fighting on social media, like, is indicative that they're, like, faking this. I've seen some other reasons for why they're faking it, because she hasn't deleted his pictures and because she hasn't changed her last name on social media. I'm just saying, like, give it time. I think that this is pretty real. But that, in my opinion, doesn't mean that they're going to stay apart because Janelle rarely, like, has an easy breakup. Although I think this is probably, like, their 20th breakup. Um, Janelle rarely stays away from someone. Janelle rarely is able to actually leave somebody. And so, uh, like, yeah, of course, they're probably going to get back together. I mean, this is Janelle. It's an abusive relationship. I would not be surprised at all if they did. But I hope that she doesn't get back with him. Uh, I don't think that this will redeem Janelle. I think Janelle is still an abuser. I think Janelle is still somebody who neglects her kids. Janelle is somebody who possibly physically abuses her kids herself. I don't think any of us would be surprised if it came out that she also hit the kids. Um, I think that Janelle is a drug addict. I think Janelle is mentally ill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think her leaving David somehow, like, redeems her. I think that there's still a million issues, but I think that anybody who doesn't believe that this is a good thing, (laughs) like, I don't know what to say to you if you don't think that this is a positive thing, Janelle leaving David. Do I want Janelle back on Team Mom? Yeah, of course I want Janelle back on Team Mom. This podcast is called Feathers in My Hair because Janelle has always been the star of Teen Mom to me. And Janelle is the best character on Teen Mom. And I miss Barbara. Oh, apparently, so Nate had his arraignment yesterday, which Ashley went with him too, which is, like, actually such a fucking clown. I can't. A true clown. But Ashley went with him, and she was posting about beautiful fall weather. And (laughs) as my dear friend Katie Paisley responded, um, nothing like fall weather to get arraigned. (laughs) But Ashley is a clown. What was I saying? Guys, I don't know why I hate Ashley so much. But she is just, like, I've, like, sunk my teeth into her, and she's, like, my most hated person to ever be on these shows for really no reason. She just is. But anyway, Ashley is a mess. Nate is a mess. Oh, cameras apparently were filming, according to some guy that was at some lawyer who's, like, verified on Twitter and has 40,000 followers for reasons I don't know. Uh, Nathan was being filmed at this arraignment. They're also under contract. I believe they're in a B season right now, so everybody's still under contract. Um, I think MTV would gladly bring Janelle back if they could. I think MTV would have kept Janelle if the Nugget thing never happened. They would have tried for another season. I think, as I'm sure I've talked about on this podcast before, the hardest part has been David and filming around David and David not allowing Janelle to film and shutting down filming and the crew refusing to go near David or be in literally the same state as David. And I think that if MTV can get her away from David, not for moral reasons, but for uh, reasons that just make filming easier, that they will. But yeah, like when we talk about this fake, when people talk about this fake separation, like on what planet would David allow Janelle to like prance around being a single mother on MTV and like talking trash on him or saying they're not together? And he would look like a fool. He would never, ever allow that. Even if they are broke, I just don't think he would allow it. Um, another thing, Janelle, if you'll notice, Janelle is no longer posting clickbait, and it's because her and her manager, Johnny Donovan, had a falling out, and they're no longer working together again. This is the second time, and I guess 
he took clickbait away somehow. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is, oh, the kids. So, I don't know what Janelle's going to do because we all know that Janelle cannot be, like, a single parent to two kids, three when she has Jace. It's not realistic. Supposedly, she has Ensley now. David let her take Ensley. I saw a lot of people saying David would never let her take Ensley. I think that a lot of people are underestimating the value the house has for David. Um, I think that David loves that house. He loves the land, even though it's, like, sinking or whatever. But it is in both of their names, and I think that Janelle has a lot of leverage if she, like, agrees to let David have the house. I've seen some stuff about child support, not child support, uh, alimony, and David getting half because they didn't have a prenup, but I would just like everyone to be reminded that you only get half of what you have. And Janelle apparently probably doesn't have shit, so David gets half of the house. I would imagine that is their only value. And alimony for a two-year marriage is incredibly rare. It's unlikely he would get it, and he would just get it for a short amount of time. He could possibly get child support for, you know, depending on how much time he would get with Ensley. I think that part of the reason Janelle probably filed for legal separation is because she wants to get a check from MTV and wanted to officially separate from David so that any money she makes from now on would no longer be part of their joint assets. And I think that Once again, I think a lawyer was involved with this meeting that MTV had with her. Like, I really think a lawyer and PR and all these, like, I think there's a whole team involved in this. Oh, but when it comes to raising the kids, I don't know. I think that David let her take Ensley because she said, you can have the house. I don't want anything to do with this house. It's all yours. You can have your car. You can have the boat. Everything that's here is yours. Um, I think David would agree to a lot if he got that. I think that she is going to have an extremely hard time raising all of these kids. I I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, Janelle parenting kids. Uh, when she was single for 14 days, but in between Nate and David, she had Tori move in. <laughs> oh, I'm praying Tori is back. We haven't seen Tori in so long, but anytime Janelle has a breakup, Tori always pops up. So, Tori, we miss you. Come see us. Uh, I'm hoping Tori's going to pop up soon. I guess I should be looking closer at Tori's social media to see if she's with Janelle, if Janelle's really staying off social media. She did start fighting with uh, Katie Joy from Without a Crystal Ball yesterday about, I don't know, Katie reporting on what the Ashley and TMZ said. That's really the only fighting that she's done. It really was like five tweets that she then ended up deleting. Um, I think that Janelle's not going to be able to parent these kids alone. I think that, as we all know, David does 99% of the parenting while Janelle soaks pot in her shed. And I wonder if she will maybe let David have primary custody of Ensley. Uh, For control-wise, I'd be kind of surprised if she did that. But I don't know. Or she's just going to find... I mean, Janelle's never had a problem finding a boyfriend, you know? Like, she's probably already swiping on Tinder She'll find some other guy that's going to move in and help her raise those kids, probably. We'll see. We'll see. I'm very curious about how this is all going to go. I think if her and David are back together next week, I won't be surprised. But I think I will be less surprised if they really stay broken up. I think that she has a large money incentive. I think that she's had six months without a paycheck to really let this all sink in. And I think that money 
is the most important thing for her, but I think she did not realize that. See, I think that Janelle has been getting an MTV paycheck since she was 17. There was that one year that she wasn't really getting paid uh, because the show was off the air when she was with Cortland, and they really struggled in that time. And But I think because she was addicted to heroin, it's, um like, deeply addicted to heroin at that time. I think that that's probably all blurred together. And she probably didn't really look at that time as being hard because MTV wasn't there. She looks at that time as being hard because she was a dope head with a terrible husband. And I would imagine that she was like, I'll be fine without MTV. I'll be fine without MTV. I'll be fine without MTV. And then she, you know, had a couple months where she was like fine without MTV. She was doing okay. She was still getting all the clickbait money. Then, you know, the CPS case happened and she had to sink all of that money into defending herself. David did have a public, like a court appointed attorney for that. So she didn't have to defend him. But I imagine a lot of money was spent on that. And she's probably like, oh, fuck, like, I'm not getting a check to replenish this. And you know, if they sent $20,000, that may have been, she may have only had $60,000 left. And then they had taxes and uh, like child support and just a million things that they had to pay off. I wouldn't be surprised. And they went on vacations. And I wonder if this is just like the first time, as she said, since she was 17, that she really was able to like let it sink in. Like money is the most important thing to me. And I just didn't realize it because I've always had a flow of money. And now that I don't have a flow of money and this cosmetic line didn't work out and no other network will put us on because David is such a mess that they don't even want to touch David and anything to do with David that I really have no prospect of making money. Now, don't don't forget, guys, like Janelle could get a job. <laughs> Janelle could get a job, but we're talking about Janelle here. We're not talking about a normal, logical person. And Janelle wanting to like, make money, I have a feeling has trumped her wanting to be with David. I think she just probably, it took her a while to realize it. I think she's probably also miserable, isolated out on that homeland. You know, wants to, like, shop and smoke pot and have fun, and I don't think it's very fun living on the land for her. So, yeah, that's my feelings on Janelle and David. I'm, like, 100% sure it's real, but I'm not 100% sure it will stick, basically. And I really think cameras are already up or will be up very soon for either it being Janelle special or to bring her back on the Team Mom franchise. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that will work or what it would look like. Maybe they would move Jade to OG. Although, if, you know, if they're filming now in Team Mom 2's in a season, like, put Janelle on OG. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Amber would have a shit fit and would be like, this is bullshit. Caitlin and Tyler would do their, like, well, I think it's okay. I don't know what Macy would say. Cheyenne would be like, mm, okay, who cares? And then poor Mackenzie McKee wouldn't get her, like, vow renewal on TV at all. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let's talk about Amber. I can't believe we've, I, like, didn't think to talk about Amber right at the top. So Amber pled guilty this week. She pled guilty, I believe, to one felony that will drop down to a misdemeanor if she completes probation. Her probation is two and a half years. It's like 900 something days. And Ashley says that she's going to have to serve two days in jail. Uh, I would imagine she'll do it like over a weekend. Like, you know, go in on Friday, come home on one uh, Sunday. Uh, if there's a weekend, especially if her jail if her county has, like, a weekend facility, like, in my 
I don't know if you can do it in my county, but in the county next to us, uh, you can do weekends in jail. Did you know this is a thing? Like, a lot of people will serve out weekends in jail, especially for something like your second DUI. Let's say you get sentenced to four months in jail, or you can do eight months of weekends. And basically, like, uh, you go in on Friday night, and you stay until Sunday night. <laughs> I've known people who did weekends for their DUIs. It's a mess. Um... My ex-boyfriend, who has is now out of jail, <laughs> I told him I wouldn't use his last name, but I don't think I've ever even used his first name on here. He said I could talk about whatever I want, which I was like, yeah, I've been talking about whatever I want about this for how long have I had this podcast? Three years now. So that's funny. He listened to some episodes, and I don't know, maybe he'll listen to this episode because he listens to podcasts now, but he's home from prison, and at one point he was doing not weekends, but what's called work release, and they're in the same building as the weekends, and he could leave every day at 6 a.m. and be back by, like, 5 p.m. and just sleep there. Um, So there's, like, lots of different ways that you can go to jail. Yeah, I know. It's weird for me, too. I'm sure, like, everyone's sitting here, like, her ex-boyfriend's out of prison and listening to this. Well, probably actually nobody is doing that, but I'm thinking that, and he, like, texted me because we haven't seen each other he texted me that he was listening, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, should I cut all this out? Probably, but I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, so he did work release. It's just weird because, like, I instinctively was going to talk to about him when it came to a jail thing, and then I remember that he, like, listens to these. It's just very weird. Um, he... Oh, so he did work release. I've known people who did weekends. So it's possible Amber is going to do, like, you know, just go in on a Friday and be in, like, the weekend work release building and not in, like, the regular jail or, like, be just, like, in the bookings area. And basically, she has a pretty stringent uh, probation period. She has to take monthly drug, random drug tests, parenting classes, mental health treatment, I don't see her successfully completing it. I will be very surprised if she can pass drug tests for two and a half years. Now, I've seen some people be like, well, it's easy to pass drug tests. And it is. It's not about the difficulty of going to the head shop and getting the pee drink that you drink every month and having it work every month. It's that mentally, especially somebody like Amber, who's quite lazy, quite addicted to drugs, um... Personally, I think she's probably taking a lot of benzos and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, she's smoking pot all the time is what I'm trying to say. I also wonder if they'll send her, uh, tests to the lab because in the lab they can tell, like, let's say she has a Xanax prescription or an Adderall prescription or whatever, they can send your, uh, drug tests to the lab and the lab can tell exactly the, the amount that you're taking and if your levels line up with, like, the therapeutic dosage that you're prescribed or if you're abusing it. So I'd be curious to see if they do that because I wonder what kind of prescription she has or if they'll even allow, I don't know if the probation officer is allowed to say like you can't have a prescription to Xanax, um, but I wonder if they can. But I think that Amber is a person that's quite lazy, quite mentally ill, quite addicted to drugs, and I just don't see her committing to uh, getting herself to pass a drug test every month. I just don't think that she'll be able to do that. I'd be very surprised if she's able to to successfully complete probation. Uh, I'll be surprised if she follows through with parenting classes. 
She did apparently get unsupervised visits with James. This obviously isn't part of the plea deal, but is part of the custody case. As of now, she has three unsupervised visits with James a week, which is concerning. Uh, I'm concerned about the idea of her being alone with James, but I think it kind of is what it is. Um, I think that Andrew's probably agreeing to things that he might not like in order to have a more favorable overall agreement. You know, like getting full custody is probably more important to him than making sure uh, Amber has supervised visits and dragging it out. I can understand that. Um, I also can understand why he would agree to a plea deal in which he didn't get jail time. I think people need to remember that domestic abusers getting jail time is incredibly rare in general. It's even less or more rare when you have the money for an expensive attorney. It's even more rare when you haven't had another, you know, conviction for 10 years. It's even, it's just like the, oh, and it's even more rare when the person that you're abusing wasn't necessarily hurt in the incident, which he wasn't. He was terrified. He was mentally hurt. It was scary. It was dangerous, but he didn't walk away like battered. Um, and even in cases where a person is battered, it's kind of rare to get jail time. Um, I know I said on this podcast, like, I was pretty confident that she would not get jail time. And this plea deal is basically exactly what I was anticipating. Uh, plea to a felony, bump it down to a misdemeanor. She can successfully complete probation. I just will be quite surprised if she successfully completes it. I mean, I guess you never know. Nobody ever really knows. But... Good luck, Amber. Truly good luck. Uh, I am interested to see how MTV is going to play this out because she has just pled guilty and admitted and and pleading guilty has admitted to abusing her boyfriend. So I'm not sure like where MTV goes from there and how they can justify, excuse me, how they can justify supporting her. I think it's kind of incredibly crazy that they are going to go forward with it. But also, of course, they are. Um, James isn't going to be on the show, which is good. Oh, and she's also posting about, like, falling in love last night. So I'm sure she already has a new boyfriend. It's just, it's really a mess. It's a mess, guys. I am, like, disappointed in MTV. I know I said that I wasn't going to cover Team Mom OG, but I think I'm, like, already sure that I am going to cover Team Mom OG. (laughs) It was really mad that day. But also, I do remember saying, like, I think, and right now I feel, because I had a feeling once I came down from that anger, I wouldn't feel that way anymore. <laughs> I'm, usually, I don't share private things that Princess tweeted me, because I feel like, I don't know. I'm like, I need to respect that Princess is uh, not tweeting me, texting me. and she just, But she just texted me this, and it's so funny that, like, at this moment, she texted me this, and it said... Hey, I know this might not be the point, but I read Andrew's victim statement, and I think he's probably a good writer. Like, I'd read one of his This Is Us spec scripts. <laughs> and I agree. His whole victim statement is up on the Ashley. She transcribed it. It was also transcribed on Reddit, which is where I read it, because um, I didn't want to watch the YouTube video about it. As I've said you reading things sometimes is a lot easier than listening to them. And it was a really good victim impact statement. I really got what he was saying. I did think it's interesting that he's saying that Amber hasn't apologized to him because they've had a no contact order. But I think he just means like in general, Amber never apologized. And yeah, Amber is an abuser. She is a scary person. I am glad that she has been convicted and I'm glad that she pled guilty and that this isn't going to be dragged out anymore for Andrew and James's sake. Uh, I do think that she probably should have gotten jail time, but I also knew that that wasn't realistic. 
Personally, I'm looking forward to seeing how she handles being on probation and if she's able to pass her drug tests. We will see. History will probably be repeating itself. I just want you all to remember that the reason she went to prison last time was not because she abused Gary. She got a similar plea deal the first time and she continuously violated her probation by failing drug tests and then she was put on drug court, which is an extremely strict version of probation. Drug court is you have to take multiple drug tests a week. You call every single day to see if you have to take a drug test. You have to go to, like, counseling and meetings. Like, you, drug court is, like, basically a full-time job. Like, you have a job and you go, you do drug court. And, like, that's your entire life. And people who successfully complete drug court um, often have a pretty good success rate. I've known quite a few people who have gotten sober via drug court. But if you fail drug court, you have to go and do your full sentence um, because it's so strict. And Amber knew that she would not be able to maintain sobriety on drug court and that she would fail and be sentenced in five years. So she put herself in jail for Leah, as she always says. You know, she's always like, I put myself in prison. But really what she did was, and it wasn't a dumb idea. It was smart. And it probably did take a lot of courage to admit that she would not be able to do drug court and to turn herself in for prison. I would imagine that's probably very scary, but the reality is, is that she put herself in prison so that she wouldn't fuck up on drug court and have to do the full five years, and she only had to do 17 months because she was able to go in and do, like, the drug counseling thing, like, program in prison instead of fucking up drug court. So, you know, the reason she went to prison was because she couldn't have drugs on probation, and while she supposedly no longer has an opiate problem, supposedly, uh, I believe that she smokes pot all day and I believe that she takes pills. So, you know, we will see. Amber is a really fucked up bad person and her continuing to have a job where she makes so much fucking money is truly insane. I think that's it for all of the news of this week. Oh, this episode isn't going to be quite as short as I thought it would be. That's good because it's 50, 53 minutes in and actually I'm sitting in a way that my back like isn't killing me, killing me, killing me. But I guess I will briefly talk about the episodes in each mom, and then I will say au revoir. So, who should we talk about? Okay, I'm just going to go in order that I have everybody's name written on the paper. Uh, For Kale, it was Lux's birthday, and she basically was like, hey, Chris, I don't really give a fuck that you don't want to film, and we know we didn't film Lux's birthday last year because of that, but MTV is pretty pissed at me because I was just in Hawaii for three weeks, and they couldn't film that whole trip, so I promised them that they could film um, Lux's birthday. (laughs) That's basically what just happened, although she didn't say it like that. And Lux has his birthday party, and Chris does come, although, because Kale, like, feels really bad that he's not there, and... Kale, like, pulls Chris and the producer aside and is, like, um, <laughs> says something wild, wild. She's, like, if anybody points a camera at Chris, he's just going to spit at them. <laughs> I love that we're just supposed to be, like, okay. Like, that's crazy. I'm sorry. That's insane. I also want to say that I was really confused by what Kale was wearing. I understand it's like a pool party and she didn't like dress up, but she was in one of those awful like mother hustler shirts and like the ugliest jean shorts. So it's like, you couldn't put on a cute outfit for Chris or for Lux's birthday party. I don't know. I thought it was weird that she was like just in such an ugly outfit. <laughs> that shirt is so ugly. Oh, 
Kale loves a mother shirt. But that's really it. I also wrote down I would like Becky to French braid my hair because she always does Kale's French braids really well. Um, Kale is pathetic to watch anything involving Chris. Oh, also she says that Chris just like flew to Hawaii and called her when he was in the Hawaii airport. And I'm sorry, I just do not believe. Actually, I want to look up right now how much, although I guess it's probably a little cheaper in the summer, but I'm going to look up right now how much it costs to fly from Philadelphia to Hawaii. So it's at least $800, and that's with three stops and taking 26 hours. <laughs> so imagine for two stops or one stop or direct, you're reaching into the thousands. It's not a cheap place to go, and I just don't believe Chris, who doesn't seem to have a job, could just, like, afford a last minute. Like, I'm not saying he can't afford to go to Hawaii. Like, I could afford to go to Hawaii if I, like, won't. Well, I mean, I guess I could put it on my credit card and just go to Hawaii, but, like, I couldn't afford to just go to Hawaii tomorrow, like, with no planning around it, and I work a full-time job, and as you all know, I'm extremely rich from this podcast. <laughs> Kale does, or Chris doesn't seem to work, and that he could just, like, afford, like, a day-of ticket to Hawaii seems unrealistic to me. Although, you know, a lot of us have, not us, because I don't anymore. Or ever really have it. But a lot of people have crushing credit card debt. Okay, so Brie went to New York. And I thought this was such a weird... I don't know. Brie was obviously over John. I think I watched this kind of forgetting the context that she still was, like, unsure if John was cheating on her. And now that I'm remembering that in this exact moment, I'm thinking, okay, I guess that makes a little more sense. But basically, Brie went to New York. They go, like apple, not apple picking, like fruit picking, because it's still August probably. And they are talking about this family party that they're going to go to the next day. And Bree's like, do not leave me alone. He's like, well, you know, like, I want you to meet my family and like talk to my family. And she's like, no, I'll talk to them. But you need to be my by my side at every single second. And he was like, what? It was so weird. Bree, I think at this point, Bree obviously wanted to break up with John and obviously just like wanted a reason to break up with John. I think that they had already planned this trip. So she like did. I don't know. She didn't want to back out. Oh, I also forgot at the very beginning of the episode, uh, Brittany and Bree go out for lunch and talk about Lewis and said that he couldn't come because he is gout. And Bree and or Brittany says that he he is gout and Bree says he looks like gout. It was very funny. <laughs> Rude, but funny. Um, but yeah, I just, it was just so weird that I, I understand Brie is very shy. She's used to being with her family on her time and her turf. And I think that like Brie needs to date an orphan basically, who has no desire whatsoever to be anywhere near his family or Brie to meet his family. And that she can just a hundred percent have this person to like mold into her family because I think she's extremely uncomfortable with other people's families which is a shame. His family seemed really nice. I don't know. I don't, I don't get this as a person. I think part of it is like, okay, this is judging. I understand she's shy and probably social anxiety, but I'll say it looks like she has bad manners. <laughs> I feel like I was raised to um, be expected to talk to people and talk to a adults as a child, and it was never acceptable for me to, um, like, not, not, like, if I went to, like, an event, it was never acceptable for me to, like, hang back and not talk to anybody. I, I'm sure it's, I know, I have the gift of the gap. This is unfair of me. But I do think part of it is Brie having bad manners. Like, 
I don't understand how you could go to a party at your boyfriend's family or anybody and just, like, not talk to anybody. Like, at this party, uh, the kids are so comfortable. Nova's having a great time. Stella loves John is having so much fun with him. And in the pool and swimming and Bree's just, like, sitting off to the corner while everyone is, like, partying. Like, just get a drink. Like, have a drink. Relax a little. Like, talk to his cousins. Talk to his aunts. Like, I don't get... She, like, sat on the side of the pool. I wonder if this was just edited weird. I have to wonder if it was edited weird. Um, And they, like, the, you know, the eight minutes that Brie was by the pool looking kind of sad and, like, uncomfortable, MTV jammed in there, which is extremely possible. It's possible that she actually had a great time and his family loved her and she talked to him the whole time and went in the pool and MTV just didn't show that. But at least the way it's edited, Brie's, like, pouting off to the side, not talking to a single person the entire party, which is so weird and awkward. I just don't understand it. I don't, I guess I don't understand being, like, cripplingly shy. I understand feeling awkward in moments where you're shy, but I just don't get how you could, like, be in a situation and not talk to anybody. And, like, why she didn't just get in the pool and swim. Maybe she, but it wasn't even, I was gonna say maybe she can't swim. I don't know if we've ever seen her really swimming on the show, but, like, at least, like, wade in the water. Like, you don't have to go swimming, swimming. Um, I don't know. She seemed really overwhelmed. Then they showed us the scene after the party that Brie narrates as being very awkward because it was awkward from the party, but it's clearly from the day before the party because they're all in the same fucking outfits that they went fruit picking in. So MTV really just didn't even try with the continuity there. But yeah, I think that this is clearly the end of John and Bray. Apparently, John was at the reunion and was, like, heartbroken and had told his whole family he was moving to Florida and he doesn't know what happened. But I also kind of think John may have actually cheated on her. I don't know. I'm undecided on John. When I see him in these episodes, I'm like, he seems like a really good person. But I feel like if somebody's messaging you saying that your boyfriend got someone else pregnant, I don't personally know how you move away from that. Okay, so with Leah's segment, Allie goes to her muscular dystrophy camp, which I'm very happy for her. I hope she had a good time. Um, Basically, the main issue in this episode is that Leah has no fucking clue how to talk to Allie. She, as I've been saying for one million years, Leah needs to be in support groups. She needs to be in therapy. She needs to be talking to people, other parents who have children who have physical disabilities because she has no fucking clue how to talk to Allie. She just keeps telling Allie that Allie can do whatever she wants. And Allie looks at her in the face and says, no, I can't. And Leah's like, yes, you can. And she said, well, I can't do cheerleading or play softball. And Leah goes, I didn't know you wanted to do that. And it's like, of course she wants to do it. It, It's just mind-boggling to me that the girls are, what, 10 now? And, you know, Allie has always been physically handicapped. And Leah still has seemingly done nothing to figure out how to parent a child with a physical disability. Um, It's just hard to understand this goes, I mean, it's not that hard to understand. I need to remember that Leah is dumb, like she's stupid. And I, I don't think I'm like an, a, a particularly intelligent person, but I'm also a person that's like kind of obsessive and needs to know all of the information. And um, I can't imagine like being in Leah's situation and just like having this like, 
oh, okay, well, we'll figure something out. Isn't going to be like, I just can't imagine like being that way because I probably wouldn't be that way because I'm just not that type of person. And it just like it is with Brie being shy. I guess it's hard for me to relate to leaving an idiot. And <laughs> I'm like really in a mood. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm in pain. I get quite mean, apparently. But it is. It's hard for me to relate to this. So when Leah says stuff like, I didn't know you wanted to be in cheerleading. It's like, yeah, but yes, you did. Because you see her, like, practicing with Grace all the time. And so much of Allie's life revolves around, like, Grace playing sports. And, like, of course she feels left out by that. Like, what do you mean? It was nice to see the girls at home with Corey. We don't get to see that. Oh, I did read on Reddit. And apparently it was, like, or I saw something that was posted on Facebook. And then someone on Reddit confirmed it. I don't know. But I saw it on Reddit that... Apparently, at the reunion, Leah and Jeremy, like, went in on Miranda and said she's, like, an evil stepmother and treats Remy totally different than she tweets the, treats the twins, and the twins had to talk to her about it. Um, I'm curious to see if that's what she actually said or what is actually said. I also would like to hear a response from Corey Miranda. I don't really trust anything Leah says about Miranda, uh, but... Apparently, that's a thing that they're having an issue with Miranda being mean to the girls. But I also wonder if it's like Miranda's just a strict parent and Leah's not. And the girls have trouble with that because they spend half their time with a very not strict parent. And then Corey's at work all day and then plays Mr. Nice Guy. And Miranda's the only one out of all the adults in their life that, like, has to be responsible and play bad cop. Um, But if she's treating Remy differently than she's treating the twins, then, like, I don't know, but I'm definitely interested to hear about that. Um, yeah, basically that's it. Leah takes Allie, Leah and Corey take Allie to camp and they have like no clue how to talk to Allie about anything. And it's just very frustrating to me. It's like, just fucking get a support group, get a network, get, you know, Leah, the genius, wants to, uh... What is she going to do? She's going to, like, be an advocate for everyone with special needs, she said on social media. And it's like, you don't even know how to talk to your own fucking kid. Oh, what a dum-dum. Okay, Chelsea. Um. Uh, oh, what I did want to say, I think they're setting up Cole quitting his job. Uh, I found it very interesting that they talk so much about Cole being at home and how helpful it was to have him at home and how important Chelsea's new job, quotation marks, is... And, uh, that he's, like, so necessary and so helpful. And I was like, hmm, you know, they have, as I've said, it's, like, so obvious that they are working with a new team who has them making, like, a ton of money. They did that Diff Airwear, Diff Eyewear line, the Itsy Ritzy stuff. Chelsea's doing Laura Bells. I wonder if they're positioning for Cole to leave his full-time job and be a full-time influencer brand person. I think it's surprising that he hasn't done that already. I wonder if one of the main reasons he stays is because their health insurance is through his work. Um, and they just, like, ha- also, I don't, because they were just making the show income before, not just. It's so much fucking money. But I wonder if in this last year, them making six figures from social media stuff is, like, why the fuck am I going to this job when we have young kids at home and I could help Chelsea so much staying at home? So that's my theory. Let's all keep an eye out for other clues that we think they're setting up Cole leaving his construction job. I actually wouldn't, I don't know if I would judge him for that. He could 
always go back into what he's doing, I'm assuming. You know, he could always go back and get a different project management construction job. Uh, I can understand striking while the money's hot. <laughs> the iron's hot, but why there's money. Um, I think I could understand him leaving his job if there really are this many opportunities for them to make money. It's like, why, why go to your job every day? As a lazy person at heart, you know, I can understand, especially if they want to have another kid, I just really could see him leaving the full-time job. I think that that is the next natural step. I think that Cole has lasted a long time with that job, considering how much money they make. And I think if Cole sees a clear opportunity for a brand in making money outside of construction, I think it's coming. Let's all keep our eyes open for it. Okay, Jade. Oh, Jade is hard to watch. Jade is a person that does not elicit a lot of sympathy, even though she's in a position uh, for which we should be sympathetic. Jade desperately needs to go to adult child of alcoholic meetings. Watching her cry that, like, she just wants parents and doesn't have parents to her terrible mother is like, oh, girl, girl, just stop doing that. Just ditch them. But it's hard. I think it'll be interesting to see where Jade ends up, you know, when she's 32 in 10 years from now. I think that we are starting to see the wake-up period from Jade. But it's really, it's like over and over again watching her be disappointed from her parents. It's like at a certain point, like you're responsible for your own life and your own behavior and your own reactions and your own expectations And your mom is who she is, and she's been who she is your entire life, and she's never changing. So, you know, what do you want? Like, what do you want from her? She's never going to be able to give you what you want her to give you. And that's sad, and that's hard. And I also need to remember that she's 22, because at 22, I was still, like, majorly fucked up on my parents' shit and had not reached a place of forgiveness at all in her place of understanding. And... I know it's really hard for Jade, and I, like, do feel for her, but at the same time, as a viewer, it's, like, incredibly frustrating to watch. Okay, I'm about to, like, lay down in a position so I can keep doing this with my legs up, but I can hopefully still see my computer screen. Oh, I don't know if this is going to work, guys. (laughs) I'm so fucked up. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So Jade is like, you know, hearing her cry that like she hates her parents so much. It's so sad. She just wants to be the kid. It, It's relatable to me, but it's also irksome because her mom is like so bad that it's like, how have you not like figured this out by now? How have you not decided that this just won't work. At what point does Jade say, I'm done. I'm done doing this. I'm done letting my mom come over. Uh, At one point, like, her mom calls and asks her to go out for dinner, and she says, with what money? Um, And I'm sure Chrissy was thinking, like, with MTV's money, you dumb bitch. (laughs) But the fourth wall is not broken, so they don't say that. (laughs) Oh, God. Jade, Jade, Jade. She really needs to cut her mom out of her life. I wonder if maybe she's done that since some of this filming, but I think that she's going to have a really long time of 
dealing with her mom and her stepdad. And also it's like, it is kind of frustrating when Jade's like, I have no one. It's like, well, that's not true because you have your stepsister that lives with you. You have your cousin who we know you love. You have your aunts. You have your grandma. You seem like you actually have a lot of people in your network of support and you just need to rely on them and stop going to the well of your parents for that and maybe have some appreciation that you do actually have quite a strong family network, even if it's not from your parents. Um, Especially compare, you know, if you compare her to Kale, who has a similar parent situation, but also has a seemingly little to no extended family that she can rely on or is part of her life. So... Jade actually has, like, a decent family situation, all things considered, and I think that Jade lacks, and I understand why, and I think that this is relatable, and I was definitely in this way, I think that Jade lacks any sort of gratitude for the rest of her network and is only able to focus on um, the bad part of her life, and that's definitely relatable, and it's something that was part of my issue when I was a drug addict, and I think that Jade has a lot of if she's not a drug addict, she has a lot of drug addict behaviors, um, probably because she was raised by drug addicts and her boyfriend was a drug addict and she's probably around a lot of drug addicts. And I think she's a lot of drug addict, uh, like mentality. And I think just a complete lack of gratitude for anything is like a very prominent thing in her life. And it's really fucking her up. Okay. Should we talk about young and pregnant right now before I collapse? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so Kaya, mm, I don't know. This was kind of a boring young and pregnant episode to me. Uh, oh, wait, it started with Kayla, actually. Kayla and Kaya being on the show, same show was going to be tough for me. Uh, Kayla is pregnant. As we all know, she had the baby. And the scene of her and Luke talking about it is, like, the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Um... If there's anybody that's a better candidate for an abortion, like, I don't know who is. You know, most abortions are had by women that already have children. Uh, she has a son that's, like, one years old. At one point, she's like, I feel like I just did this with Isaiah. And it's like, you literally did. Your child is one years old. <laughs> like, you just did it. She already had to drop out of school because she didn't have anybody to watch her kids. She's in a brand new relationship. She's been with this guy for six months, and he apparently wants to go out of state to play basketball. I'm a little confused by Luke's basketball thing. Is he on scholarship at a community college? Because weren't him and Kayla going to the same college last season? Isn't that how they met? So if Luke is on, and he's 21, he turns 21 in this episode. So where is he going to play basketball? Like, wouldn't he be, like, a senior in college or a junior in college if he's 21? I need a full explanation on Luke's college basketball journey and do community colleges give scholarships for basketball? Can you – I would imagine you can transfer com from community college to, like, a D3 school for basketball, but do D3 schools have athletic scholarships? Write me on Instagram and let me know if you have any information on Luke's college basketball journey or just, you know, I guess community college basketball journeys in general, you can let me know because I'm very confused by this all. But it's just crazy to me that they're going through with having this baby. Um, they've been together for such a short amount of time, but I'm also very not surprised. I mean, your chances of having 
a baby is a teen go up even more when you already have your first child. Oh, by the way, once I read this crazy thing on Facebook about how this girl had gotten pregnant when she was 16, and then when she was 17, she got pregnant again because that's what happens. Teens get pregnant for a second time when they already have a first baby, and she lived in a state that required parental consent for abortion. So even though she had a child, she didn't need parental consent to have her child. As you all know, there's no parental consent for going through the pregnancy, She was like a mother living on her own independently, raising her child, supporting herself 100% with her boyfriend, and she had to get parental consent to have an abortion. And I think she wasn't talking to her parents, so she had to go to court to waive the parental consent just so she could get an abortion so she wouldn't have a second child as a teen. (sighs) Okay, let me rein in my abortion anger right now. It's just crazy. I mean, imagine that. Like, you don't need parental consent to have a child and then you're allowed to leave the hospital and raise a whole fucking baby by yourself. But, like, you need permission to get an abortion. It's crazy. Um, Kale's reasoning for not wanting an abortion is that Stefan wanted her to get one with Isaiah and now Isaiah is, like, the love of her life and she couldn't imagine him not being here. So, like, she can't get one with the second one. I mean, fine, whatever. You don't want to have an abortion. Like, I understand you're not going to have an abortion, but... It just seems crazy that it's, like, not even a thought and that if you are a person that absolutely will not get an abortion, that the only birth control you're using is the pill, which has, like, a decently high failure rate. Um, According to Kayla, she probably threw up a pill when she had the flu. I find it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing she's more like me and just, like, takes her pill whenever. Like, I'm on birth control for my skin and so I don't get periods. And I take my pill, like, whenever the fuck I feel like taking my pill, basically. And so I could probably get pregnant right now, like, on the pill because I'm so irresponsible with taking it. But I also don't sleep with anybody. So that's why I'm very irresponsible with taking it because I can be. Um, I find it, I don't know, I kind of find it hard to believe that she was responsible with her pill. But I don't really get why if you're a person that, like, will not get an abortion and you are not in a position to have another baby, why you're not on a more, like, reliable method of birth control, like why you wouldn't get an IUD, why you wouldn't get the arm implant, or why you're not also using condoms with your significant other. I don't really feel that bad for Luke or Kayla in this scene. I think that they um, moved way too fast in their relationship, and I think that they wanted to play house and play family, and now that this is what happens. You know, like Luke, when you move in with a woman that, a teenager girl that already is a kid, so you know, your her chances for having another kid have already significantly higher. You're already playing daddy to her kid. Um, then she gets pregnant. Like, she's going to be more likely to keep the baby because she's already playing family with you. Like, why wouldn't she just continue that? And if it was really that important to Luke to not have a baby, then he should have been wearing a condom every time because you can't be a hunt. Like, you shouldn't be a hundred percent relying on somebody else for birth control when you're in such a new relationship. I want to remind everyone that they've been together for six months at this point. Like, this is a very new relationship. This is, they haven't been together for six years and have, like, a full amount of trust. So, for him to, like, completely trust Kayla to be the only one in charge of their birth control, it's like, well, this is what happens. This is what happens when you don't wear condoms and you don't pull out and you allow someone to be the only one responsible for birth control. And on a method that you know, can be easily fucked up. So Luke misses her first appointment because it's like on his 21st birthday and he was too hungover to get up and go, which like I was too hungover on my 21st birthday. I had to move on my 21st birthday. It was literally the worst thing in the world. Oh my God. 
I was moving in the same apartment complex. My dad and I were just, like, dragging stuff back and forth. And speaking of my ex-boyfriend that's listening to this probably, like, was supposed to come help and just, like, never showed up. Ugh, it was so awful. That was a really bad day. But the night before was quite fun, and I, like, couldn't even go out the second night because I was so hungover. Okay. I did laugh when Luke was like, none of my feelings towards you have changed, like, just because you're pregnant. Like, imagine hearing that. (laughs) Awful, awful, awful. Kayla is just, I don't know. I, I just really can't believe, I mean, I can believe. I think Kayla's pretty irresponsible. As I said, I think Kayla is a person that, like, doesn't seem to be in a lot of fights, doesn't seem to have a lot of drama, but I think she's very irresponsible and pretty immature about some things. Okay, so Rachel's back with her boyfriend, Jacob, and she's, like, thrilled because she's like, Jacob's definitely going to want to be the dad. Like, he's going to be here all the time. And then we really see some scenes with Mallory, who is, like, the star of this show. Mallory is a star. Basically, Mallory is a baby that she is going full Janelle on. Um, She goes out every single night. They watch the baby every single night. She shows up when she wants to show up. Mallory was tweeting that she, like, had really bad postpartum and things are different now. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. She had really bad postpartum and her method of dealing with her depression and anxiety was to just, like, party and not be a mother. I think that's definitely a thing that happens. But Mallory sure doesn't come across well here because she goes out, even though she's been out every night that week. She says she'll be home by 8 a.m. and she doesn't show up until, like, 8 p.m. the next day. And Rachel's upset because she's like, well, what if I went into labor? Like, you wouldn't know. And Mallory says the funniest fucking thing. She goes, no, like, you could have gotten in touch with me. I was just sleeping all day. And they're like, yeah, but you didn't answer your phone. And she's like, oh, no, like, I read your messages. I knew, like, you wanted, you were just wondering where I was. And I just didn't feel like responding to you or coming over here. So I just ignored them. Like, if you're in labor, I would have come. That killed me. (laughs) She just doesn't give a fuck. She's high as fuck when she comes over to that house. Like, she truly no cares given. Rachel starts screaming that Mallory's such a slut. And, like, she's the biggest slut in the family. And Mallory's like, what are you talking about? Like, you've slept with more guys than I have. And Rachel goes, not this month. Not this month I haven't. And Mallory goes, yeah, because you're pregnant and no one's to fuck you. (laughs) A fight over who's the biggest slut is so funny. First of all, slut is, like, such an old word. You know what I mean? Like, we're not really using the word slut in 2019. So to just hear them screaming at each other like, you're slut, no, you're slut, is a real throwback in a good way. I loved it. That was such a funny fight. She's like, you're just this. And Rachel goes, that's not true. When Mallory says no one will fuck her, which is actually probably not because she's probably fucked both Drew and Jacob that month. <laughs> Rachel's like, go fuck yourself. I can fuck tons of guys. And you know what? Rachel's not wrong because she's fucking multiple people, apparently. (laughs) I love this family. This is a fucking mess. Like, they're a mess. Um, Mallory's like, when you have your baby, you're going to be like this too. When I was pregnant, I said I would never go out. Mallory's a Janelle. I wonder how old Mallory is and why they didn't just put Mallory on the show. They should be, like, co-stars. You know what I mean? It should be Mallory and Rachel segments. I want to follow Mallory around. I'm very intrigued by her. She's, like, funny. She's kind of pretty. She, like, 
has a truly, like, I don't give a fuck attitude in a way that I love in a reality TV star. And she just leaves the baby again. She's like, all right, see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, a mess. Okay, so Kaya, her girlfriend Tezza moves in. But Tezza was texting her best friend, who I guess encouraged Tezza to cheat on Kaya. And so Kaya's mad. And they get in a fight about it. Uh, the only thing I really wanted to talk about in the scene is I think Tiffany seems, Kaya's mom seems like really nice and caring. She was like really open to Tezza and like wasn't insert. She wasn't inserting herself in the drama at all. Was just like being nice and reassuring and listening to her and giving her advice in a way that was like very neutral. I just, I really like Tiffany. I'm a fan of Tiffany. I would like to... If I'm in a bad mood, like, be comforted by Tiffany. She has a very calming spirit. I really feel good thing about good things about Kaya and Kaya's family in segments this season. Um, I kind of like that, like, the baby daddy drama is so fucking crazy. And that, like, the mom is, the baby daddy's mom, ex- what's his name, Xavier? I can- no, Xavion is, like, you know, in jail and his mom is a nut. But when they're not in the picture, they also they have a very like calming, nice family, and her relationship with Tezza seems like decent, but like has a little drama. By the way, Tezza looks twelve, like fully twelve years old. She looks so young. Her face is so young, and I think her like huge earrings and her haircut make her look even younger. It's very funny. I was like, how old are these people? Like, Kaya looks, I, she's probably 18, right? She's 18. But Tezza really looks 12. Um, I felt sad for Tezza because it doesn't seem like she has a lot of people to talk to. She's like, this is my best friend. I don't talk to anybody at school. I wonder what the deal with her family is, that she's not living with Kaya's family. Are they still together? I think they are. I hope they are. I think I like them. Okay, so it's Ashley's christening. Excuse me. It's not Ashley's christening. It's Holly's christening. I enjoyed seeing Pastor T in her long hair and her full pastor outfit. What's the word for that? Her robes? There's this this Episcopalian priest that I watch on um, TikTok because you guys know I'm like fucking obsessed with TikTok. Actually, in between talking about Jade and then talking about Young and Pregnant, I took a 10-minute TikTok break. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, so there's this Episcopalian priest and he's always talking about his robes is that what they're called i think that's what they're called um i liked seeing pastor t in her pastor outfits i'm not convinced pastor t is any sort of pastor beyond being like an ordained minister online um and then maybe has a friend that's like a pastor that lets her play dress up there sometimes because i noticed there was nobody else at the church except for like eight people um i thought this whole thing was kind of weird because even ashley like, they look at the dessert table, and Ashley's like, it just looks weird because I'm used to a dessert table, like, overflowing with desserts, and this doesn't really have anything on it. There was barely anybody there. Chris missed the actual, like, uh, christening because she was stuck in traffic and didn't get there till the party. Um, it seemed, like, very informal, especially compared to, like, the other parties, the baby shower, the birthday party, just the other stuff that we've seen from their family. You would think that their christening would be, like, overflowing with family members and friends and food like there was barely any food there it's I'm assuming this was all for MTV but I was 
I don't know. Maybe she had another christening. How many? Are you allowed to have multiple christenings? Like, you can, right? Does it does it hurt to get christened more than once or no? Yes, no. Honestly, I actually don't care. I was going to say let me know, but I'll be honest. I don't care. I'm just speaking out loud. Um, You guys do your thing and I just won't get christened. <laughs> I was never christened. Surprise, surprise. Holly looked extremely cute in her little christening outfit. Actually, I guess I do care because like isn't 16 months old like, how old? I thought, like, babies get... Or, okay, here are my questions that I would like an answer to, but also, like, you don't have to give me... I would like an answer to this. What's the difference between a baptism and a christening? How come only adults seem to get baptized? You know, like, born-again adults. I'm always seeing people on my Facebook page get baptized. But is that different than getting a christening? Because, like, don't babies get christened and adults get baptized? But then babies get baptized also. But, like, what's the age? Because I just saw a girl on my Facebook at a Catholic church get her baby christened I think you know it's like the thing where the cake says god bless baby what and whatever the baby's name is and that baby is like six months old I thought that that's when babies get christened my cousin because my dad's side of the family is Christian and my uncle got remarried for like the fourth time when we were old I think it's actually his third wife now they've been together forever and they'll be together forever but he had two you know rocky marriages earlier and then he met my aunt and now they have two kids and my cousin Perry at was I was like 15 when he was born maybe I don't know how old I was but he's like 16 now um at Perry's christening so that's the only christening I've been to Perry was I think like six or seven months old but that was also at a Presbyterian church so I don't know like, what, what's the deal? Can you just let me know, like, what the difference between a christening and baptism is? How old babies usually get baptized? Um, if Pastor T is really a pastor, what, how come the other pastor wasn't wearing pastor clothes? If anybody else felt like Pastor T was, like, literally in a Halloween costume. <laughs> also, I would have really liked, she was making those big white chocolate uh, covered strawberries that looked so fucking good. Yes, I like white chocolate. I know that's like sacrilege, but I'm not a chocolate person. I hate, hate, hate dark chocolate. Milk chocolate is like, okay, like I love a Reese's peanut butter cup, but I don't like a milk chocolate on its own ever really, but I do like white chocolate. And that's that. <laughs> there are no fights. Um, I don't know. I just was like confused by the logistics of this episode. Uh, it was nice, I guess, to see Bar and Pastor T get along. I think T just always wants to get along. And that's why I, like, can't hate Pastor T, even though I know a lot of people on Reddit, like, really hate Pastor T because they say she's so racist because she's always calling Shen out on, like, being awful and white. And I don't think that makes her racist. I think it just makes her a drama queen. Okay. Young and Pregnant Brie had some wild revelations in this episode. She has decided that her one-year-old son has daddy issues. Okay, that's a crazy thing to say about your one-year-old child, right? She says that she knows he has daddy issues because she he gets so clingy with any guy that she brings around. And it's like, okay, first of all, like, that seems like a you problem that your son has been around so many people at this age that he's, like, clingy to different guys. But we all know that that's an issue with her. 
But, like, it's just because you have people, like, move in with you immediately. And so Bryson, like, starts to love them. I wouldn't call that a daddy issue when she said that to her therapist. Her therapist is like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, if I think even her therapist was like, huh? Like, what? How could a toddler have daddy issues? It's a very weird thing to project onto your child. Like, very weird. Um, She has decided that she wants to get in touch with her dad. Because if her dad is in her life, then Bryson won't have daddy issues. Oh, girl. Oh, Brianna hurts my heart a little bit. Honestly, I think Brie has had a really hard life. She hasn't felt a lot of love. And I think she just is looking for it in all the wrong places. Um, she Her dad lives in New Mexico. He's never been there for her. I did like that she acknowledged that, you know, when she was a kid, she would tell her mom, like, I want to go be with my dad and how heartbreaking it was to her mom because she, her mom was busting her ass so hard for her. And then, like, she would just throw the dad thing in her face. So I appreciated that. And I thought Jessica was... Her response to Brie wanting to find her dad was, like, kind of perfect. I thought she was like, well, I support you and I understand, but, like, I need you to know that he's, like, not going to be there and that this is not going to work. At one point, she even laughs a little bit because she, like, which I really relate to because I laugh when people tell me stupid things sometimes. Like, I just can't help it where I'm just like, girl, what? Like, Jessica definitely had, like, a girl what attitude about it. I think she wants Brie to be able, you know, to have a relationship with her dad, but understands that she won't. But I thought she was a good mix of supportive and realistic. And then the bombshell drops that Brie gets a Facebook message from a kid that she had sex with who's like, hey, uh, I've been seeing the pictures of your son, and I think I'm his dad. Now, I wonder if what it means is, like, hey, I've been watching you on TV and, like, I want to be on TV and, like, do you think Brayson could be mine? <laughs> um, We find out that Brie basically had sex with a bunch of people around the time that Brayson was conceived. And I think that this has always been the case and it's why she would never push for the baby daddy thing to be tested. Um, You know, I think when last season when she was like, well, he's a dad, but I'm not going to get in touch with him. What she really meant to say is like, I don't know if he's the dad. And she was understandably embarrassed by that. I I would be embarrassed. I'm sure when she signed up to be on MTV, she really thought Danae was going to be Brayson's dad and this would never come up and she would never have to deal with it because she was immature and short-sighted. And now that it is coming up, I think it's probably hard to admit that she like really doesn't know the dad. She even says at one point like, well, he was born on his due date, and I guess the due date was based on the day that she had sex with the guy that she thought was the dad, like, that conception date. But, you know, if she had sex with this guy within, like, two weeks, uh, she tells Jessica this, and Jessica is less than thrilled. I think, understandably, I think part of it is, like, she's like, you're really fucking that many guys. <laughs> like, that's definitely part of it. Like, and that many guys is without protection, um, I think she says she, like, feels sad about that. But the other part of it, I think she just feels so frustrated that they, like, had all of these talks about the biological father and Brie never once thought to mention, like, well, I really don't know if it's, if he's the father because I slept with a couple other guys. Uh, Brie even says, like, no, I still don't think this guy's the dad. I think it's the original guy. But, like, if he wants to take a paternity test, he wants to take a paternity test. I personally am hoping that that guy will be the dad and we can get a new storyline with a new baby daddy. I think that will be interesting. All right, guys, I have to head out now. And by head out, I mean, like, going to walk and hopefully my back feels better. 
Look, this episode was actually longer than some of my other episodes. <laughs> Thanks for being understanding. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.